equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 80. It is Nottingham Forest nil, Tottenham Hotspur 2 on the back of a Harry Kane brace. Another victory in the bag for Spurs, another three points. And we've got a full pod to talk about it. We'll start by throwing it out to the Todd father himself. He is at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, what's going on, man? You know, any day, guys, any day that uh, you can have your best start in 13 years is uh, is an incredible day. Uh, any day, as our good friend Dustin Deese likes to say, any day that you can beat a goalkeeper that uh, wears a baseball cap is a good fucking day. So Yeah, well, you can beat him in the game, but not at the penalty spot somehow. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll get into that for sure. Uh, Shuban is also with us. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on, man? It's going good. I actually remember that. Um, was it 13 years ago now? Oh my god! Oh, life to know that was. Yeah, Benny Scott, Benny Picotto um, scoring a winner against um, um, Liverpool. And by the way, that that baseball. I was I was wondering why TC's not wearing his baseball hat. Now I understand. By the way, I, I know it's an audio medium, so but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scotty is also with us at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, mate? Chilling. Good news is we're fourth place unbeaten. Seven more points than we had last year. Ten, if you consider we never played for us last year. Um, and the bad news, there is no fucking bad news. Come on, you Spurs. We're winning the league. I've got even better news for you. We're in third place, not fourth. So how about that? How, you, you wanna, well, fuck, you that's great. I mean, on that one we, a little bit. Like I said, we'll be in first at the end. It really doesn't matter, but that's great news. Thank you. Caroline's also with us at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on? Hey, uh, feeling really good about the unbeaten run so far. Feeling less good about some of the like nitty gritty details, but we'll get into that. <laughs> we will get into the nitty gritty details. Uh, let's get into the lineup first. It's the same as last week. Uh, Perisic on the left. Uh, Sanchez still subbing in for Romero. Not much to talk about, Todd, with the lineup, I don't think. But... Um, you know, otherwise, you know, pretty, pretty standard to run out against a newly promoted side. Well, I mean, when you're looking at Davy Sanchez having nine hours consecutive pitch time without giving up a goal, um, that's pretty nice to have when you need a, a backup to come in. Um, I also felt pretty good about um, the rotational pieces of like Perisic, you know, starting on the left. So... Uh, and then being able to bring, you know, Sessegnon on um, to, for that change of pace. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought uh, the lineup was what I would have expected, and I feel like the rotational parts of it have been good. Shuban, is there anything you would have switched about this lineup? Um, I feel like this is kind of – it's been standard, and obviously I think we're going to see changes in the coming mm -hmm. days and weeks because of a lot of matches coming up. But for now, I feel like this is working. The only thing I would have possibly suggested was to switch Richie for Sonny, just because we play we play three. Well, we are going to play two games next week: one on Wednesday, one on Saturday. Sonny has done always done well against West Ham because they're racist pieces of shit. And um, Forest, I don't know. I think we. I, I just felt that 
with the aggression that Richarlison has, especially like Nico Williams and all that kind of stuff, I just thought that's something we we would benefit from seeing. But obviously, the, you know, the wisely, Antonio Conte sees things differently for me. Scotty, we, we've talked a little bit about Sun, like Shuban said. Four games on the bounce now. He's got the one, I believe it's one assist, right? That's his only contribution thus far. Um, it, he got When he got subbed off today, he actually legitimately looked upset at himself. Like, this is the first time I've seen that this season. Uh, after, you know, comes off in the 74th minute and he kind of looked pissed. Is, is there anything to make of that? Or are we just going through one of those stretches with Sun that he goes through over a couple of games where he doesn't really have it. Um, and it just so happens that it's the start of the season for this one. And it, it doesn't, you know, therefore it's a little more, uh, I guess, in the magnifying glass, if you will. It, or, or is there something greater to worry about here? I don't think it's anything. I think Sun, Sun always go, kind of goes hot and cold. And we've talked about it. I, granted, he didn't play that well against Chelsea, you know, and, and then I'll follow up with my point that he does tend to go a little quieter against some of these teams that aren't going to be at the top of the table come the end of the season, right? And tends to perform well when he can find space, which a better team's going to afford, et cetera, blah, blah. We've talked about it, but um, with Sun, I think he's a little bit more outwardly angry with himself just because of the Conte effect and, and how invested everybody is in, in winning this season, right? So it's nothing that we haven't seen before. His reaction is just maybe exacerbated because of what Conte is doing to this team, I think. So it might even be a positive more than anything. But as far as Sun playing, you play Sun through everything. Play him through his dips in form. Like it's He's world-class. He almost scored a goal today. You know, he, he, he I think in the first half, he went just north of the crossbar on that shot, the ball that popped, popped to him in the box. There was an opportunity he had to square the ball across to Perisic, Kane, whomever, take a shot. He hesitated, right? So his confidence is definitely low, but you just got to play him through that. And, and, you know, once he finds the back of the net, however that comes, he'll be fine. Caroline, this felt like a weird match. We were talking about it a little bit uh, before we started recording. It, you know, it didn't – it was 1-0 for most of the match, of course, with Spurs getting the early goal, which we'll come on to. But Forrest had most of the ball, and it felt like they just had most of the momentum the whole game. But then you look at the like the expected goals were about two and a half to a little under one in favor of Spurs. It was never something that felt out of control per se, but it never really felt completely like in cruise control either. Yeah, I felt a little bit vindicated today because I have not been one of the people saying that Forrest were going to be a hot mess because of their you know large squad turnover. I think people have been kind of underestimating the fact that they have brought in some quality players. And I think once they sort of build up their chemistry, they're going to be, you know, even more troublesome to teams. Um, But today their finishing wasn't there, which was good for us. Uh, We also had the benefit of having Hugo Lloris in goal. I think he deserves a lot of credit for writing out some of that, you know, initial first half onslaught. And yeah, I don't know. It did feel like you said, though, we did, we were not really in control at any point. It didn't feel like. And I think part of that was the midfield just not really taking the game by the reins at any point. So I don't know. It's kind of weird because we were on this unbeaten run. On paper, things look good. You know, we've had quite a few different goal scores and assisters, but it still feels like something is not quite right and we haven't really clicked into second gear yet 
So I'm hoping that with the West Ham game, that being, you know, a high pressured, you know, Derby match that we'll see the team really bring the intensity level up, I think is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I get that. And Shubes brought this up. And, and if you saw the piece that Owen Hargreaves did with Antonio Conte, he talked about, did Conte, how the, the field for us very much acts like a shield um, for, for those back three defenders. Um, and then if you get any sort of progression out of them, that's something that's more of a bonus. And we saw that from Pierre uh, today and Ventaker today. I thought Pierre had another exceptional game, and I may be alone in that, but I'll take it. Um, but I think that um, you're right, Kaz. We haven't kind of shifted into second gear yet, and yet we've still had our best start in 13 years. And these aren't squeaky bum Nuno one nils. Even though we're not shifting into gear, we're still the better side in each of these wins, and we will equal to the task against Chelsea. I think that's fair. I, I think that the funny thing is the first few minutes of this game felt like, oh, wow, Forrest are really up for this. And then all of a sudden we score a goal kind of out of nothing. And it was very like, you know, when when Harry takes that shot, I'm like, oh, that's bouncing. Oh, no, that's bouncing in. And and Dean Henderson didn't move. And I'm like, OK, one nil five minutes in. And I'm, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, OK, well, maybe maybe they can really like use this and take advantage because honestly, Forrest not not only had more of the ball, but. Spurs almost looked a little bit like a. It almost looked like Jose Ball, dare I say, with the, with the the counterattacking, um, and Forrest were just up for it. They had the ball, and you know they were they were opening themselves up for that counterattack a lot. And Spurs, for whatever reason, couldn't get that second goal and throughout that the rest of that first half. But to me, it just looked like you know it looked like a big deal that that Forrest just had control and and had the ball a lot. Uh, and and we were really only only able to to, to get control when we were countering it, it, it. Like I said, it reminded me a lot of Jose Ball. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes. You know what we were talking about in the last show on Thursday that Conte's Conte is going to play into games, and it might not look super pretty for the first thirty minutes or so, right? As we try to figure out what our opponents are doing, I think today the differentiation from other matches maybe is that we just, again, we didn't really kick on in the second half once we would in theory have deduced what our, our, our opponent is doing and then adjusted and reacted, right? We just never quite got there, but we still got the three points. So, um, but I, I think, you know, again, like the Jose ball and I heard some folks at the, at the pub down in Piala, our South side home this morning talking about, you know, the same thing that that kind of looked like Jose ball, but I think it's just more Conte being super, super reserved and conservative as he, as he plays into the game. But, um, you know, in that piece with Hargraves, he also talked about, and, and, you know, the listener new intro drop, you'll, you'll hear this quote in our new intro, but Conte talks about how a team has to be adaptable and be able to, to, I'm paraphrasing, but, react to the ebbs and flows of a match, right? And and be able to adjust on the spot to, to, to navigate through those ebbs and flows of a match. So I just don't think we saw a good enough reaction to those uh, to, to 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 maybe those ebbs and flows today. But again, three points. So well and going back to, to the point Todd made about the shield that that midfield provides too, I, I think that's important because I thought both of those guys, while I know that we're throughout the week and, and leading up to a midweek game and another one next weekend, we're going to hear a lot of talk about this midfield and how people are going to be calling for Basuma for one of those two guys. I thought they, they did that shield job fairly well. There was a little bit of 
giving the ball away um, from both of them, really. But that is kind of what and, – and Scott, to the point you make, this is something that you said when we hired Antonio Conte, and I continue to harp on this. The attack's going to come from the outside. It's going to come from the wingbacks more so than from the midfield. And when you have Perisic and, and, and Emerson doing what they can do, and I thought Perisic played another pretty good game, even though he doesn't, he, he's not going to, you're not going to see him on the score sheet. You're not going to see him with an assist, but I thought he was really solid. And I thought Emerson was pretty good as well. But you're, you know, the midfield serves as a shield for that back three more than anything. Yeah. And then well, when you can get, when you can get attack out of them, great. But that's, that's a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but any, any time we're not progressing the ball well or we look a little bit stale, um, and maybe maybe under attack for more of a game than we would expect. We're, it's going to look look at the surface like it is the midfield that's lacking, but it's just the system, right? And I don't think the midfield, again, can be expected to do much when we're under the gun or pinned back like that. Um, there's, there's you know, the, the, at that point, they're really looking for, like, a son or Kulisewski to find space and, and help them get out of a pinch with, like, a one-two, but that's really not what we're designed to do. It's, it's designed to get out wide. So I, I think it, it, it's, again, down to the fullbacks. I think – I don't mean to derail our conversation, but one, one of, like, a huge points for me is Emerson because I think he's playing super well, actually. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan of him being a part of the setup, but I, I, I think the question for me starts becoming, like, when does he get his rest? Because it's coming soon. Who who fits into into that slot when he gets a rest, right? And what does that do for for our team? Because if we're struggling to progress the ball, but Conte still believes that Emerson is the best option to, to allow us to do that, I don't disagree with Conte, nor will I ever, right? I've never been to the training ground with this team, but um, – but I'm curious as to what's going to happen at the right wing back position. Emerson has to get a rest at some point. You cannot continue to play that position, you know, every single game. Well, well we, did pretty... see, we, we did see Jed Spence come on late too. Is another thing. Yeah, and I mean, we did. Technically, technically, they had Jed Spence playing as as for Kulisevsky. They had him playing as a wing. Yeah. But um, another interesting he, point. Yeah, yeah he, he was he was a bright spot for sure. I think that. Um, I think you're right. There does need to be some rotation for Emerson, but I think Emerson has done an exceptional job doing the oh, things been that he's asked to do on this team. And, and, and that's the whole thing. Are we getting the type of offensive production out of the right wing back position that we want from a Conte system? The answer is no. But we're getting more production from the right wing than we've gotten in the last five years. Yes. And so it's kind of making up for it and allowing Romero or allowing Emerson to do more of the defensive duties. Um, well, you know, uh, uh, still being able to transition from defense to attack relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And we're still linked to wingers, which I think furthers your point in, in an interesting way, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the the other thing to, to note is that Matt Darty is still in this equation somewhere and is still coming yeah. back from, from an ACL injury um, that he had last season. And we, we saw, I think we saw him in the first game, if I'm not mistaken, come on as a sub, but haven't really seen him much since. Uh, and I haven't really heard, but he's been on the bench and he's been available for, for all intents and purposes. But um, I don't I don't know where he fits into this equation as well. I certainly think he's sticking around. I don't think there's any reason to, you know, think that he wouldn't be going any would or would be going anywhere. Um, but a lot of questions to be asked. And, and like to to your point, Scott, Emerson's playing well, but also two more games in the in the, in the next six days, you're going to have to rotate a little bit. Uh, everywhere on the pitch and and it it speaks to rotation there's going to need to be rotation everywhere like it's not just at the wing back spots but but those are the real spots that are the most taxing and it's a good thing dude that position i mean 
for 90 yeah. minutes you're stopping and starting and sprinting and sprinting and sprinting it's like like it's it's going out and playing like a full-on basketball game for 90 minutes never coming off the floor like it's a fucking insane position to play no thanks and and he needs a fucking arrest so again we'll see what happens but it, it'll be interesting and then the other thing sorry i'll, I'll shut up soon but Pape Matesar didn't come on today when Ventiker went down and we flipped back to a 3-4-3 from the 3-5-2 we went into when, when Basuma came on for for Kulisevsky. So I'm very curious. Like that's kind of damning on young Sar, and I hate that, right? But or, or is it maybe a more of a nod dispense than, I think than damning it's just on Sar? Keyword young Sar. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm but like flipping this flipping the formation back to what he wasn't looking to do to close out the game, right? But maybe it, again, maybe that's a nod to Spence and him really wanted to give a Spence an opportunity to impress out, out wide too. And has nothing to do with Pape Matesar. But anyways, that was just I, I'm like mentally taking notes on little things that catch my attention during the match, right? And I was very curious to see us flip back to a three four three because it looks like the three five two is how we're gonna close out game this season. Speaking I, of little I, things, I think there's two points ever. to be made there. I think there's two points to be made there, Scott. I think one, he flipped formations in the same way against Chelsea and it worked out. Uh, you know, he went back, 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 to, back, back to a three, back, four, three. Yeah. He, he, mm-hmm. he, he, he flipped to something else and then flipped back to the back, back to the original formation against Chelsea. And as we all know, that worked out. And the other thing too, is maybe there was a little bit of sentimentality on Antonio Conte's part, wanting to get uh Jed Spence onto the pitch against oh, Nottingham God. forest where, where he played uh, on loan last season. Maybe, maybe a little early, something there. It's early out here on the West coast. Great. We, point. we, we don't, no, and I'm not saying that for sure. I haven't heard any quotes from Antonio Conte saying, yeah, I wanted to get him on because he played here last season and want to get him an ovation, which he did yeah. get, which was cool. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe oh, maybe there right. was a little bit of sentimentality there on the part of Antonio Conte. So, Todd, you're, go you're ahead. You're 100% correct. I was just going to say, I think that it was a pretty solid – I like that point as well uh, about playing Spence against Forrest. Um, but the, the point that I wanted to make was about, you know, those those little things we were taking note on the match. Anybody else um, – Take note of the fucking volleyball set in the box that somehow wasn't a red card. That's where we're. That's where I was going next, Todd. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, very, very interesting that they determined that Harry Kane wasn't going to get to that ball. Harry Kane, known for attacking with his head, and was right there. Um, Who scored header later in the game? Just yeah, really puzzling. That that was, yeah, really puzzling that that was not a red card and was only a yellow card. And then obviously we can come on to the penalty which todd you had called it a a poor a, a poor penalty okay it was, I, it I was a poor harry kane effort now he's the closest thing to automatic from the penalty spot that, that i've ever seen in the premier league and so for him to miss um i, I mean it was, i i was surprised we'll say it that way well, uh fair play to henderson for guessing the right way and staying i don't know ben from san diego spurs as he was off his line uh and watching the replay but you know we'll see uh, I heard people saying decent shout for Henderson to be Spurs keeper in the future. I don't hate that at all. Uh, I think that he's absolutely a, a, a quality, quality keeper. I like him over Nick Pope personally. Um, he can't wear a cap though. I'm sorry. Like he can't, if you're going to, if you're going to be keeper at Spurs, please don't wear a cap. It makes you look like a nerd, even worse than make, looking like a nerd. It makes you look like Thomas Tuchel. Um, and and yeah, nobody likes so, that. Th- thank you. Well, what if you can't um, see no, it's well. Where's some eye black? I don't know. No, it's, it's, do, do something. I liked the, when Delaney had the cap last season. 
Yeah, no. Golini no, didn't uh, look cool in any, anything he did. <laughs> so. I love that guy. Yeah. I, I, there's, well, no, there's no place on a football pitch for a cap. I'm just going to say it that way. Keep it moving. Just, just to get back to it, the penalty was not up to Kane's usual standard, but it, it should have been um, a red card. You know, it, yeah. it drove me crazy to hear the commentators say, oh, that decision to use his hand is looking pretty good now. It's like, well, yeah, that's the point of a red card is because it should have been a goal. <laughs> so that's just infuriating. Uh, it's like Kalini making a mockery of MLS a couple weeks back with it. Like yes, <laughs> just about that bad. Yeah, yeah. it was it was uh, close to that bad. It was very like we're just going to throw our hand up here and, and smack the ball away. And yeah, I, I thought it was pretty egregious and pretty ridiculous. Um, but in the end, uh, let's talk about that last goal, because. My goodness, um, Ryan, I was about to curse Ryan Sessegnon. I was about to fire him into the sun because I don't know what he was doing. Harry Kane didn't know what he was doing. Harry Kane looked so dejected. But we also have to talk about fucking Richarlison because this guy has come on now in, I think it's three straight matches, and just really changed the, the, the mood, the spirit the the shithousery all of it Chuban, what have you seen from this guy because every time he comes onto the pitch something something some shit happens and it's normally pretty good well um actually a guy called uh, harry brooks and he talks about was it this is rafinha and he goes there are some things you can't measure and that what players do the attributes and when richardson came on the electric the, the, the there was electricity in the air as if he's going to change something and obviously, that's something we'll see more at home games, obviously. But there was just something that he did. And I was talking about the way he bent it with his right foot. It reminded me a little bit of the Kane goal against the Arsenal when, when he had that Phantom of the Opera, like rubbing off his mask, the way he bent it. But I know this was really petty, but I actually liked him shithousing more. I had a little, little bit of juggling and him getting taken out by Brennan Johnson. That yeah. bit I enjoyed. I know I shouldn't do, but I'm sure TC is nowhere near as petty as I am. I enjoyed that a whole lot more because that's like we're beating you, and I'm at the best. It's just yeah, and, oh, and that he's Lamella with goals is the way that I look at it. Is that is that Richarlison yeah. does, does everything that you wanted from Lamella, except for he's legitimately got the opportunity to. He's so much calm on the ball than Lamella is. Uh, his ball rolls not nearly as good, admittedly, but. Um, he's, he's going to offer so much more production and still give you the type of, I'm going to take up four minutes of this eight minutes of extra time just with my fuckery. I think we all knew. Yeah. By juggling the ball. I think we all knew coming after Richarlison was signed. I think we all knew that he's the type of player that you hate him when he's on the other side and you love him just as much when he's on your side, because he's going to do all the little things that piss off the opposite team just like they do when you're going up against him. Nobody liked facing Richarlison when he was at Everton because he was annoying as hell. He was rolling on the ground all the time. He was getting his shins kicked and acting like he'd been shot in the leg. Um, but when he does it on your side and you're up one nil or up two nil late and trying to, trying to run down the clock, you love that kind of stuff. And the play that he made, look, it would have been really easy for Spurs in that scenario when Sessegnon comes down with the ball and, and, does whatever the hell it was he tried to do to Kane and loses the ball and it goes out wide, it would be really easy to just give up after that kind of counterattack. But no, you see Richarlison chase the ball down. Kane is kind of dejected standing there, realizes what's happening, gets himself back on side, 
and Richarlison puts in a cross for him, and no one's paying attention to Kane because they've all sucked over to the ball, and he's just wide open there for a cross, and Richarlison sees him. I mean, that's the kind of play that could have easily been given up on, but Richarlison didn't give up on it, and that's big. Well, and I think, like, I don't don't say this at any of you at all, just into the void again, as always, but no one nobody should be surprised by what we're seeing from him he's fucking extremely talented he's he's going to start for brazil at the world cup and they are always in in contention right admittedly weakened right now for sure but but the, it's brazil so what what you what we see from him is very brazilian too right it's an ingestion of pace of character of passion of of willingness to try an outside of the boot fucking cross you know, over the goalkeeper's head in, in swinging, right. To Kane, it's, it's a, it's a ballsy fucking play in itself. Right. And that's what that type of player is going to bring. So, yeah, I don't know. I I've been a fan since day one. You guys know that, right. I, I don't need, need to claim that or anything, but ultimately I'm just, I'm thrilled by what we're getting from him. And I'm thrilled that it's coming from off of the bench because if someone asked me, does Richarlison start? Absolutely not. Kulisevsky, Kane and son is our front three. Facts. Until until it's not anymore, and that's nowhere near happening right now, you know? Yeah, I'd have to agree, because not only is he providing a much-needed spark in the second half that we have very much needed in the last few games, but also I think with Sun, he's a player that he needs – he just needs game time to work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a cliche to say you leave him on because at any moment he could do something incredible, but it's true. So for me, I I definitely keep Sun for the West Ham game. Okay, but, and I see Shuvan shaking his head, and I'm going to go to you, Shuvan, because I think you're going to agree with me, but game in three days, another game two days after that, three days after that, uh, there's like like we said earlier, there's got to be some rotation here somewhere. Where does it come? It's it's probably got to come this week with not only games starting this week, but look, turn around next week is Champions League starting midweek. Um, you know, games on the weekend in the league. So, Shuban, some rotations got to start here somewhere, right? Well, I've always said what I think said was up in the chat is that we've got a very good attacking trident. It's superb. But one of the main reasons Richarlison was brought in was if any of that trident was injured, off color, or just you know, it's lacking a bit of form, and he was there to try and push that trident on, which he has done a little bit. But he's there to come in, and I think. You have to reward this guy by giving him starts. I think he's gone in. I mean, it's very easy to get your head down. He hasn't. He's really he got his head down. And one of the things about Brazil that Scotty mentioned, he has to go up against Neymar for that position. Neymar on one side, Rafinha on the other, and Gabriel Jesus and Firmino in the middle. That is how competitive it is for Brazil in that forward line. And I just feel that he's shown some confidence. I'm not saying, look, people say, I'm not, I love Sonny. I was, those of you guys saw, I went to Sonny's favorite restaurant the other day. So, uh, tell me, I love Sonny, but I just feel that, you know what, sometimes you've got to say, look, you know, this is what management is. This is what man management is. They're saying, look, you're, sometimes you can try too hard. Sonny's all about effort, working hard, work hard. And it's just more like, you know what, I'm going to rest you a little bit. You have my confidence. I'm just going to rest you. Richie, you've seen him though do well. Do you not think he deserves his chance? And you know what? I'm going to bring you in. And I think that's I think that, that, I think that's real man management. I think I think TC and Scotty, you guys work. And, you know, you're my managers as well. Sometimes you may have someone that's been really good for me for you, 
but some for some reason it's just not working deals aren't closing whatever and they can work even harder trying to get the deals closing and they make it even more, more worse sometimes you got to take them out of the firing line but also take a step back and you know go from there but so, i'd love to hear what your thoughts are no, that's a great point and really what, what she was kind of talking about here i think more than anything else is just kind of understanding like like where to make the move timing is everything when you're dealing with man management and if you pull sunny or bench sunny before a, a big game like west ham which by the way sunny always loves to play against west ham loves scoring bangers against west ham if you bench him for that game that sends an entirely different message than if you sit him for fulham right um and you know if you're looking at it as hey this is just regular rotational rest and like the 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 phrasing out of the club is this is just what we're doing in order to rotate our squad and keep everybody on the same page and say what essentially content said today after the match when asked about son, which is something the effect of I have to find a husband for my daughters and I hope it's someone like him son, regardless of the form that he's going through it or he's going through a patch right now because he's not scoring, but son will always be in my footballing plans. Exactly. Yes. I, 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 first of all, that's an Italian answer yeah. if I've ever heard one. 100%. I love it. God, just, oh, it's fantastic. I mean, my grandparents were trying to figure out who I was going to marry. And it's not an arranged marriage type of situation, but just like trying to figure out, trying to tell me who I should marry by the time I was like five years old, right? But, but, but no, all jokes aside, I will say, first of all, Shubon also very well said, right? Todd also well said, son is going to have to rest at some point. But if if I if if I could give like a, a tangible objective solution to what I would do this week, and it's gonna sound nuts, I would actually if if I was gonna start with Charleston against West Ham and be for Kane, and I know that sounds a little nuts, but I'd give Kane a rest. I would let Son play through his form issue against West Ham. Son's the type of guy who is gonna sit and sulk in his form if he's not playing, and not because he's like a shitty dude, but because he take he take he holds himself to such a high standard that like not being on the field helping his team because he's not producing is like not gonna be good for him from a management man, management perspective. Sitting Kane down saying, "Hey, you need a rest." I guarantee you he's on the training pitch after the game, making sure that he's not rested on the weekend, and he knows he wouldn't be. You guys understand my point, right? But. I just think it does a little bit more for Kane right now to give him a rest. And frankly, it sounds so asinine because he scored two goals today, but he kind of held up our counter a little bit today. And I think giving Richarlison a chance to, to, to maybe smooth some of that over with, with Son and Kulisewski could be very interesting against a team like West Ham, who might actually try to get forward a little bit more than we've ever seen in the past decade or so from them, right? So um, it, I, I don't know. I would maybe – if I probably wouldn't sit Kane, but if we're saying where Charleston needs a start to give somebody a rest Wednesday, it'd be for Kane for me. I'd be all in favor of, of doing whatever we can to stop West Ham from scoring the one goal that they've scored this season, which they got today in a 1-0 mm -hmm. victory. Uh, yeah. I, I certainly don't see why you couldn't do a little. I, I know we're talking about it's West Ham, it's a, it's a derby, but like, also it's West Ham. Like, let's let's remind them that they are the little brother, and you know we can do a little rotating against them if needed. Um, and and not to mention, we're gonna it's get not a just a debut though, and that's gonna be he's gonna fucking be all over the place. Okay, but it's not just about it's not just about Sun to me. It's about it's it's not even just about Sun to me. It's about 
some of these bench players are not actually bench players. They are depth players and they are rotational players. And that is the whole point of this entire fucking season and this entire summer window that we've brought in players that can come in and the quality does not have to drop. So I think that would be, um, I think it would be the time for it. And obviously it, it, it sounds like the obvious answer with so many games coming up and, and, and so much, so many minutes to chew up. Um, but it's going to, it's going to have to happen eventually. And I, I simply, um, I don't really see why it couldn't, I mean, and the same goes for, same goes for the midfield. The same goes for, uh, if Christian Romero is ready to come back, um, all of those things. I mean, but that's why, that's why we, we've bolstered the club and the squad in the way that we have over this summer and why we're still looking to bolster is because this is, this season specifically is going to tax the, uh, depth of your squad in, in a way that we haven't seen before because uh, somebody decided it would be a good idea to put a fucking World Cup in the middle of the season. Um, so so I, I, we can't take that lightly, guys. Now, the one thing that I will say is that the fact that players like Decky uh, aren't going to be in the World Cup and is just going to be hanging out at Hotspur Way and guys like Cessna, I don't know if he's going to make that squad, are just going to be hanging out at Hotspur Way. Not terrible news. I, I don't hate that at all. I think that um, so much. Uh, yeah. as I'm looking at what this Conte side has shown me over the course of the four games, it's showing me depth. It's showing me uh, poise. It's showing me guts. And it's showing me still a lot of room for improvement. Which I think when you're looking at the best start in 13 years, you're looking at uh, a 10-game unbeaten streak with six clean sheets in the Premier League. It's hard to argue with that, Andrew. No, I I agree with you. And I think that um, I, I think there is something to be said for they haven't played a really great game, aside from maybe the second half against Southampton, where they really just kind of turned it on. Um you know, but that's not a full game. That's a 45 minute stretch. Um, they haven't really played outstanding and yet it's 10 points from 12 possible. And I think that's, I think there's still something to be said about that. Shuban, go ahead. So on Sky, they talked about that. I think he lost Arsenal or something when he was Chelsea manager and then he switched formations to his preferred three at the back. And then they went on this ridiculous run. And if you guys remember that run, they had, they had some really good performances, but a lot of them were just like grind out one nil wins, grind out results. Especially, they had, I think they had a 12, 14 match winning streak. Yeah. And I'm not saying we're going to have that, but I'm just saying that this isn't the team, you know, that has a Kante that can be like a, well, both, but can be two players at once. Do you know what I mean? It can be everywhere at the same time. This is a very, you know, we are still developing our side. And I don't know, I looked at the team. I mean, yeah, I mean, Harry Kane said, look, we haven't got our first gear, but he, he was like, well, we haven't played that well. He, he Even he's acknowledged that. And this is Harry Kane. He, he actually, he's not someone that's going to go off script or kind of rock the boat. And even he's acknowledging that. I think that will send a message. I, I'm not saying he was, it was pre-approved by Conte and Spurs PR. I'm just saying that clearly that, yeah, he's, res- he's echoing what the dressing room is saying, that they need to be better from the first minute. And like I said, I, don't, I know, when I looked at that thing, First of all, this is Forrest's first time. Well, Forrest and Spurs have a real history. For those who don't know, yeah. basically back in the early days of the Premier League, we, Spurs had three bogey teams, Forrest, Villa and Chelsea. And I just remember all the time, it's like those 
they didn't call it three-point lane, but they might as well have done because Forest, Villa, and Chelsea would regularly win at the lane all the time. And you know, I'm not saying yeah. You know, there's a bit of rivalry with Forest as well. The FA Cup final. I don't know why there was that rivalry, but there was. So yeah, for me, I just felt looking at the way Forest played, they were up for it. I think I think they actually asked them. Were you surprised by how much they were up for it? The, the, so the city ground is actually a very, very tight bowl. Very much, it's a lot tighter bowl because it's a very old-fashioned ground. And you can, the players, as you saw with the clean celebration, the fans are so close to the pitch, they can almost spill over onto it. So, like I said, I just think, I don't know, I don't say we are unprepared or something, but I just think maybe there was an eye on the Wednesday game. Maybe there was a little bit of like, oh, you know, we've got the Champions League, there's a bit of a hubris. I mean, yeah. maybe we can take these guys. And look, Forrest, it was if they like, do you know what? Have the ball. I mean, when Leicester won the league, they were very happy to not have the ball. They're like, you have the ball. And we know you don't have anything, anything with it. And obviously, it seems they do, they do stuff with it. But I'm saying with Forrest, you know, they say signed Lingard, as, as you pointed out, and they've got uh, more, you know, more Gibbs White. But they don't really have a real striker in the box. There's no, I mean, Brennan Johnson, who's actually, I think, plays for Wales. He's a very good player. Um, and he has some chances, but he's not really clinical at this level. I'm not saying they won't get there. I'm saying they will eventually get there at some point. And, you know, like I said, it's just sometimes you will walk away from that game. Do you remember, I think, I think, I think you were in this game last season. I think it was Villa. Somehow we were 1-0 up, and yet we were battered for most of it. Do you remember right. that game, Andrew? And then you were struggling with your wife or something. I'm not I saying this is the same game, but that's something similar. No, no, I, I think it's a good point, Shuban, that, that, that we are a team that's – they even said it on the broadcast over here in the States that Spurs are a team that's, that's very comfortable not having the ball. And part of that is because they have such a good uh, ability to counterattack, which they showed a lot of, especially in the first half. And part of it is that they're just very sound defensively right now. And a lot of that goes back to the midfield that we spoke about being a shield for that back three. Uh, Spurs through the first four games are the joint second best defensive record team uh, in the league, along with Arsenal have only allowed three goals in the four games. The only team better than them uh, both is Brighton who have only allowed one goal in the four games. Um, And, you know, I I just, I think that, I think there's really something to be said for a team that is, is, and like I said, they were comfortable today. They were never getting battered. The XG was not, it didn't even touch one. Um, so when you're able to put one or two in and have that kind of confidence defensively in what you're doing and playing out the back like they do, yeah, it can look a little nervy at times to the naked eye, but when you really get down to it and look at it from a you know from an analysis standpoint, I think there is something to be said for that. By the way, Shuban, to your point about the the ground there, I'm shocked that Harry Kane was booked for that celebration. I didn't think he went up into the stands. I thought the stands came into him more than anything so i thought that was a little weird but i don't know scott what's what's your take on that 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 idea of being comfortable without the ball yeah i mean i think it's it's something that the best teams in the world are very capable of right um i think there's there's this there's this idea that the best teams in the world you know i'm thinking of liverpool city madrid those types who are just going to 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 be oppressive with their approach right and and generally speaking yes but they're also very good off the ball at knowing that they're still in control because of their their positional awareness and their tactical understanding of of their job right so i think we're seeing that we're seeing that from this team and 
it's about damn time because we've got a world-class manager and, and some world-class talent on the team, right? We still got work to do. I, I don't think we're at the, the talent level of said Liverpool or City quite yet, right? But we're getting there. And when you have guys like Son and Kane on the field, you need to find ways to, to be playing at those levels. So that's a huge piece of, I think, what, we, what we've been missing, um, you know, probably back to the Pochettino days even. So It's almost like people expect and want a team to look always like city or Bayern Munich and have the ball and be pressing and be attacking and be go, go, go. But there are, there, there well, there's a happy, there's a happy medium between those teams and the sit back like Jose teams and counter and win, win every game one nil. There's a happy medium to be found. And I think Conte's Spurs are hopefully starting to find that medium. And thing is you've got to look at the comparative budgets of city and Bayern compared to the rest of the league, apart from Newcastle. Mm-hmm. They have got that comparison budget where they can be play the, the quote unquote beautiful football, but also winning beautiful football kind of thing mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. can they get they can afford all those players, whereas not many teams can do that. Well, let's not pretend. Let's not pretend like Spurs are 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 crying poor here. I mean, they have spent decently and they've they've had a great window and they're going to be getting some players out here in the coming days before the transfer window closes. Like they are getting to that point where they can start to. Not not spend like the the oil clubs, but they can spend a little bit as well. So yeah, that's a good but point. honestly, like I'll, I'm not even say I shouldn't say but because I agree. Um, you know, to to further that, I think there's there's three teams in the world, maybe four if you include PSG, but I'm not going to at this point. That like that really scare me, and that's City, Liverpool, and Real Madrid. Um, those three teams. I, if we're, if we're sorry, I should say if if this team today is playing one of those three teams, I'm a little nervous. Anyone else, I'm pretty confident. I'm including Bayern in that, right? I maybe say PSG could be a pseudo fourth, but my point is all around the tactics here. If I'm Conte, first of all, I have a preferred tactical approach, anyways, and that this is probably kudos to Levy for bringing in Conte for this reason that I'm going to get to, but. If I'm Conte, I'm looking at my squad. I'm saying, okay, I'm trying to compete with these teams who who can play a very Spanish style of oppressive football and have the ball and and get me spinning in circles and just dance around me, what we saw City do yesterday, right? I don't have the talent to do that. I look at my midfield. It's Winks. It's it's Hoybier, who's very talented, right, but not a tiki-taka type of midfielder. What we're doing right now is what you have to do with what you have to compete with those types of teams. We were playing a very tactical, you know, style of football. Again, very Italian, like I said, but it's all about being perfectly, perfectly tactically. Sorry, it's all about being perfect tactically and understanding what to do without the ball and then what to do very quickly when you do it and then get through those ebbs and flows again. So we're learning how to do that Um, for us to be able to. I keep joking about winning the league, you know, over the years. I'm really thinking that we're in contention this year, and I think it's because Conte has us set up to be able to compete against the teams at the top of the table in a way that's very, very complimentary to the team that we have right now. And we can even go back to the, to the jokes of the Jose balls, right? And I'm not picking on the Jose thing here, right? You know, the, any listener at this point knows you and I love to go back and forth about it for a bit. But if I look at the Jose ball, he got a lot out of Son and Kane, right? He got a lot out of what he had at his disposal, which was not much, a lot less than what Conte has right now. And it is very, it is suiting us again. It's complimentary, but Conte's tightened it up and doing it a lot better. And it is different than Jose, right? But ultimately, it is defensive, it is tactical, and it is very much 
what are you doing without the ball? And so, yeah, great point. But um, we're just way better at it now than we've ever been. To your point about about being set up to beat the big teams too, obviously that's something Spurs have had a lot of success with in the past few seasons. To me, the the difference was always going to be in these types of matches against teams like Forest, yeah, games like point. games like games like Wolves last week, where you where you edge them out. Where in previous seasons, you know, we talked about, I mean, hell, coming into this week, we talked about seven points that we didn't have last season, beating Southampton uh, at home, big deal something we weren't able to do last year. We lost games to, to Burnley last year and, and, and things like that. And, and losses to wolves as well. If, if you can make up your margins in those games and still keep up, keep up the level against the top teams like Liverpool and city and even throw Chelsea and, and, you know, Arsenal United into that, match, all those teams, if you can keep your level against those teams and make up the margins against the others, that's where you've really got something cooking. And I, I think that's really cool. Um, Transfer window closes Thursday. We've been talking about this this fearsome foursome of, you know, Lo Celso and Ndombele who have already gone out. It sounds like the other two, uh, both Winks and Regulon, are, are on their way out as well. So uh, that'll be coming this week, and we'll see if, if anyone else moves. It's kind of been the talk of, um, you know, someone else will have to come in. Not that I would expect that, but at least I would expect the last two of these guys, Regulon and Winks, to be able to, to, to be moved on this week. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on those two guys and, and, and the, the need to get them out? Well, uh, I, I think you guys know I've never been. I was very excited when we signed Regulon because I thought Ben Davis doesn't really have enough help at left back. So I thought that was the great holiday I was signing, signing him. And when you sign a young player, and he also, look, he had pedigree. I think he'd won the Europa League at Villarreal or, I think, or, 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 or Sevilla or something. He'd Sevilla. So yeah, you, you could tell he was he, he had potential. It's whether he could translate that potential into the Premier League, and for whatever reason, he hasn't done that. Yes, he's quick, he's left-footed, but I think he just lacks a lot. And I've always said, like, if he wasn't left-footed, I don't think he'd be playing at this level. And yeah, you know, I think he'd be playing Division One. I'm sorry, a Championship or yeah, you know, or Segunda Division. He wouldn't be playing the division he's at. So I think that's the reason. Harry Winks, I was talking to a guy today, ever since that Burnley game, 2018, when he got that injury, I don't think he's ever recovered from it. Not, maybe physically, mentally. I mean, it happens. I mean, I remember Sandro being just brilliant. And then he had that horrible injury against, I think it was QPR. Came back, lost, lost a little bit of pace, lost that bit of sharpness, and he was never the same again. And that can happen with any player. If you have an injury... It can really just change your career, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but that's a very interesting point. I was, I'm thinking like, you know, to myself right now, just thinking in my own head on the spot. But Winks, we do know that Winks is uh, real close with Musa Dembele. You know, sees him as as a mentor. I'm sure they're in contact, right? And we know the teams were in Premier League teams were interested in Winks. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm not saying Dembele had anything to do with it, but I'm sure he looks at a guy like Dembele who just never recovered from those ankle injuries, right? And Wings is still young enough to go to go have a lot of career left somewhere, right? I mean, not a lot, but enough, right? And so I think if I'm him, it makes a ton of sense to make sure that my loan isn't in England, that I go play in a different league that's a little bit less taxing on a midfielder's body, maybe not everybody's body, but on a midfielder in the Premier League, you're getting fucking banged up. We know that, right? So I think it's a good move for him, and I think it's it's a smart move for his career uh, and the longevity of that as well. 
Yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's good for both of them. Both of them going to go out on loan, and I, I don't think we'll see either come back at any point. Uh, I think they'll eventually be moved on permanently after this season. But yeah, yeah, and with Ray on too, I'll just say like I didn't really know much about. I never actually heard of the guy when we signed him. Right, um, didn't know anything, so I won't claim to have. But I, I just I never really got too attached to him. I wasn't you know whatever. I know he was a fan favorite, and I don't dislike the guy, but. It's just one of those things for me where he kind of just passed through the club and I wish him all the best, right? And I'm sure he can go have a decent career somewhere, but I do agree with Shivon and got to give Shivon massive credit because day one, he he said if he wasn't left-footed, he wouldn't be here, right? And I didn't know enough to agree or disagree, but but Shivon was spot on there, right? So all the best, Regulon, and keep being left-footed, baby, and, you know, we'll see you around, so. And like I said, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's like, I think, in terms of people have spoken about, they call it the bomb squad through the attitude. They've grouped all these players together. I don't. There's been rumors about what Lacelso was like when he's when he wasn't playing. Apparently, his attitude was poor. I don't know. None, none of us, none of us knows we weren't there. Um, I'd like to think that Harry Winks wasn't that kind of player because he's he, you know, he loves the club. He's from Hampstead, 25 miles away from the club. And someone like Ricky, you could tell he was like apparently wearing Spurs pajamas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So he was. So he was like he clearly he clearly bought into the club. I just think it's it's a harsh existence. But you know what? All play all. If we want to go to the level, well, well, we were like sixth or seventh when we signed uh, Re- uh, Regulon back in the yeah. I think we were the, we just qualified for the Conference League or the Europa League. I think under Jose Mourinho, that was his first full season, and that's the level we are at. Now we are in the Champions League. We're not just like to try and make a bit of money, like say the Portuguese club do, to try and as a cash injection. We're trying to have a serious tilt at the at the Champions League and at the league. And unfortunately, it's harsh. It's a harsh, you know, reality that Regulon and Winks aren't considered good enough to be what we need them to be. Yeah, you know, at that level, and well, you know. Not, not only that, but I think we're playing a, 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 a system now that doesn't suit Reggian. I mean, I don't think Reggian is a wingback. No. No. And, and granted, granted, I don't think Emerson Royale is a wingback either, but he's making it work better than Reggian ever could in that position. Um, I think, I think, I think Reggian, I just don't see, I see him as a very good left back. I don't see him as a left wingback, whereas Emerson Royale is sticking around because I think he's adapted to being more of a right wingback, even though he's truly a right back at heart. Um, and I think there's, you know, some players that can make that adjustment and some players just don't have the, the toolbox in order to do so. So Yeah, and Reggion was also pretty, no, I shouldn't say unlucky because he, you know, there's. I don't think he could have done more. I just don't think he's a wingback. But us signing Perisic was kind of like definitely the final coffin and, and I shouldn't say kind of, it was definitely the final nail in the coffin of Reggion and Spurs, right? So I think if a guy like Perisic isn't available for free this summer, it might be a bit of a different story for Ray Young because I don't really know yeah. who else would go after for a left wing back position, right? So I think a lot of why you maybe see Doherty at the club, et cetera, is because there, there's no Perisic quality free right wing back available at the moment. Um, you know, so sorry to Ray Young, but again, I don't think it, it's it's certainly not it's certainly the best move for the club and not a, a bad move for his career either. So. Yeah. Uh, you haven't heard the the voices of Caroline or Todd in a little bit while listening to this pod. They had to dip early, but um, we'll say uh, the women's team did play uh, another preseason game this morning as Chelsea lost it 2-0 uh, 
Uh, more to be said about that uh, on Caroline uh, Caroline's pod uh, N17 Women. Uh, go check that out, and we'll have we'll have more from them. Their season's still a, a little less than two weeks away from getting underway. They start on September 10th against Manchester United at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So uh, we will address that when it comes. And if you didn't get a chance to listen uh, to our last pod that we dropped in your feed, we we jumped on uh, late at the end of the week to talk about the Champions League draw as well as the Carabao Cup draw and talk a little bit more about the window, which, is, of course, is closing this week. So um, we're going to do our best to, to get another pod out to you guys uh, this week. We'll, we'll certainly have one next weekend. Uh, whether or not we're able to, to, to all get together and do another one, a transfer window slash West Ham roundup before Fulham. The, the games are coming so fast at this point that we're going to try and turn out the podcasts for you all, but we'll, we'll get as many of them as they can, but expect at least one a week, if not two. Uh, that's going to be uh, hitting your feeds here at the Tottenham Depot going forward. So uh, you guys have any last words about this one before we, before we get out of here and all duck and cover before the end of the window and a, and a midweek. And I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm ducking for cover. I'm, 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 I'm resting and, and ducking for cover at the same time. Cause the games are, are, there's going to be a lot of them coming up here. So, well, this is the thing. So, a friend of mine um, from another pod, Kaiser Us, Kemi, she's actually coming over for the Fulham game. And I'll spend time with her for the Fulham game. But I won't be going to the Champions League games, even though I live around the corner, just because I've not actually been, I've been to a lot, I've been to groups ages, and I've been there. And for our first one against SJ20, I remember like when they came up with the whole lasagna, lasagna thing, I've been there. And I actually want to save my money to get a ticket for when we're in the knockout stages. Hell yeah. Let's go. That's the, that's what I want to be. Because I want to be. I want to hear it. And do you know what? Because I remember, like the group stages were amazing against Real Madrid, against Inter Milan. But I want to be there at the knockout stages. That's when it's on the line. This is when basically sink or swim. And I want to swim like Michael Phelps for the title. Hell yeah, love that. You two tickets. <laughs> Scott, Scott's going over. He wants. He wants. To, he wants to be right three next tickets. To oh my god, are you leaving out cat? Oh my oh god, god, you, no, you so get much trouble. Tickets. You're in so much trouble now. Oh, when she hears uh, this, she's gonna slap you. No, 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 no. The, that the one was for her. The one, the one we remembered is for me. So it was all about her. But yeah, I'll come to you. <laughs> always always happy happy wife happy life scott knows how to uh let's go through the socials here you can follow caroline at cg stefko you can follow todd at tc underscore kasho you can follow scott at dsm spurs you can follow shuban at the real shuban you can follow myself at a we'll throw dakota in too dakota not with us today but you can follow him at dakota j booth uh more importantly than any of that follow us at tottenham depot on the socials on twitter on instagram on tiktok uh, and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. We'll be back with you later this week at some point to talk about all this shit going down because it is a lot. It is going down fast and furious. The games are coming at us. The transfer window is closing. And we're really going to start to get into the thick of the season before all of it comes to a halt in a few months for a stupid-ass World Cup in the middle of the winter. <laughs> but, we'll, we'll, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, this has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, for what really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>